welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Right, let's pray for Neil. Which one are you going to use, this one? Yeah, Father. Father, we come to you. We, we thank you for Neil, Lord. We want to hear your, your voice. We want your word to touch our spirits this morning. I pray, Lord, that uh, we, will, we will hear and see uh, a greater understanding of who you are, Jesus. And uh, I pray it will open up areas in our lives, Lord, for you to occupy, Lord, for you to take hold of again, Lord. Father, I just pray for Neil this morning. You will bless him and that uh, you will help him to have wisdom to share uh, all that you have for us this morning. Amen. Amen. Morning. First things first, do you like my shirt? (laughs) Birthday present. (laughs) Thought I'd get it out there. Not my choice. I would never have chosen this. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Alice. A vote of confidence. Okay. Uh, Peter spoke to us last week um, about why do we feel so rubbish. Uh, (laughs) Sorry? No, yeah. No, that was what Peter spoke on last week. Um, But it was quite a practical talk, and... uh, I just felt um, the Lord speaking to me, and I have done for some months, about something that affects us all, uh, probably every day, most of us, and, um, and that is worry. So if I said, okay, who here worries, I would expect everyone to put their hands up. So come on, let's be honest. Yes, and if you don't, you're lying, so that's fine. <laughs> thing is, worry is really difficult because you kind of get used to it. So you think, well, things happen in life and I worry about it and that's normal. And I kind of got into that routine of having gone through a, a really difficult couple of months at work, of waking up at 530 And just my mind being like racing with a million thoughts. And uh, then I kind of got used to that. And I thought, well, I just wake up at 5.30 and that's okay. But it's not okay, actually. And uh, I was reading in uh, Matthew chapter 6. And uh, I wasn't reading the Bible particularly, but I was looking at, you know, the little bits above that tell you what the next bit of the Bible is about. And in my Bible, it says in Matthew 6, verse 25, the heading is the cure for anxiety. And I'd never read that before, and I thought, hold on a minute. If this is the cure for anxiety, why have I not got this printed out on my fridge in big, bold letters? Because every night I'm waking up at 5.30 and I'm anxious and worried about situations and so forth. This says this is the cure for anxiety. Now, 
In my other Bible, which is this one, it doesn't actually say that. It says Jesus teaches about worry. But it got me thinking, what does the Bible say about worry? And what does the Bible say about anxiety? And so from there, I went to Philippians. Go on, you do it. Try that. Don't move. It's not going to work. Absolutely. I should never have worn this shirt. (laughs) See, if it had been a plain blue shirt, it would have been all right. Absolutely. So then I looked at Philippians. And in Philippians, it starts and it says, don't worry about anything. I can't use this. Okay, I hate this thing. <laughs> At least it hasn't got a lead on it. Um, so Philippians says, it starts off and it says, um, don't worry about anything. And my first thought was, yeah, that's fine. But that's not real. That is not my experience. And I can preach this morning and say, Philippians says, don't worry about anything. And you're all sitting there thinking, yeah, I know, but. (laughs) Exactly. We have a saying in our house that if Julia hasn't got something to worry about, she worries about not having something to worry about. (laughs) I have that saying, yes. But we can get like that, can't we? Things overcome us. So... Long story short, I started reading about worry and anxiety and I was really surprised how many times Jesus talks about this in the New Testament. There's 20 times in, in the Old and New Testament that worry and anxiety are talked about. And if that's the case, then surely there is something for us to learn, not from me, I'm no expert, believe me, because my mind just goes haywire So I have to learn what to do when 5.30 in the morning I'm awake worrying about work, which is what happens. So am I prepared to accept that as a norm or am I prepared to look at the Bible and say, okay, Jesus, you're going to teach me something about worry and anxiety. What is it I need to learn? And that's what I want to try and do this morning. So this isn't Neil having got this all sorted and saying you need to be like me. That is absolutely not the case. We need to listen to what Jesus said. Because surely if he's um, preaching and teaching this, he's, he's doing it for our good. So that's what I want to do this morning. Let's just um, kick off. Um, let's read Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start at verse 25. And this is Jesus teaching himself. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed 
as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So this is Jesus' teaching about worry. And I just want to pick out some things that have helped me in the scriptures, in this particular scripture, so that we can understand how God can help us. The first thing is this, verse 26 says, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? He's talking about the birds of the earth. So the first thing is this, you are valuable to God. That's the first thing to understand. And this is absolutely key because you need to understand what your position is in Christ. You are valuable to him. He cares for you. He loves you. So when you are going through stuff, he is with you, but he doesn't want those things to dominate you. He needs you to know that he cares for you and he loves you. That is your position in Christ. And this puts the lie to the enemy who says all the time in your ear, you are worthless and useless. How do I know he says that to you? Because he says it to me. You're useless. You can't even have a good night's sleep. You're awake at 5.30 in the morning and your thoughts are full of fear and concern and worry. What use are you to God? And that's when you have to come against the lies of the enemy. Because he will always be in your ear. Always. He is a liar from the beginning. He can only lie. Why? That's his nature. God is truth. He can only speak truth. The enemy is a liar from the beginning. The Bible tells us that. So when he comes, we need to recognize the lies of the enemy and say to him he is a liar, but equally, most importantly, is not take on board what he says. How do you do that? You quote scripture back at him. You quote this verse. When he comes and tells you useless, you say, no, hold on. Matthew 5, 26, Matthew 6, 25 says, I am valuable to God. And that's the truth. And what does the truth do? It sets you free. Lies, truth. Always counteract the lies of the enemy with truth. Not your truth or my truth, the truth of the scriptures. That's the way to do it. So the first thing is that you are valuable to God. The second thing is, verse 30, just to rub it in, he says, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. God cares for you. 
you're valuable to him, but he cares for you as well. And that is a beautiful word. You know, in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Care, a cause to feel concern. Providing treatment or attending to someone. That's you. That's what God does when he cares for you. He feels concern for you. And he provides treatment. He attends to you. He cares for you. I am the world's worst gardener. I don't have green fingers. I don't really like going in the garden. But we had a patch on our lawn that was underneath the trampoline. And uh, it went brown. And... uh, So I spoke to my gardener friend and I said, what do I do with this brown patch? He said, you have to rake out all the moss which has died and you have to reseed it. And when you reseed it, you have to water it a lot. So I said, okay. So he did the mossy bit. I seeded it and I have watered it every day. (laughs) And this lot take the mickey out of me because every day... I go and water my little patch of grass. But now it's lovely and green. It's coming up. I was amazed. It worked. Suddenly there's little green shoots coming up and it's beginning to blend in with the rest of the lawn. I care for my little patch of grass. That's why every day I go out and water it, even with that lot laughing at me from the kitchen and taking pictures and so forth. You see what I have to put up with? It's a lot, isn't it? You have to feel sorry for me. I cared for that little patch of grass and it's, it's come through. God cares for you. It's a lovely word. You're not valuable like some vase on the side. He cares for you. He cares for the circumstances you're in. He cares for what is on your mind. Okay, so we're valuable. He cares for us. But the next is a challenge. Why do you have so little faith? If you believe you're valuable to God, if you believe he cares for you, Why then do you have so little faith and actually not believe that? This is a challenge to us because there is a faith dynamic to this that we just want to sometimes sit and receive from God. Yes, you love me. Yes, you're wonderful. Yes, you care for me. That's great. And then when a situation comes up, we fail then to have faith and believe that in that situation. Because faith is an action. Faith is not like a blob of faith that comes onto you. You have to exercise it. You exercise faith and God comes and brings truth. And so this is a challenge to us. Have faith in what God has said. Okay, verse 32. God says, look. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. 
he already knows. He's all-knowing. He knows exactly what you need in every situation. But once again, there's an action here. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. It's not just sitting back. There is action. Have faith. Listen to what God has said. Seek his kingdom above all else. We can become victims sometimes. And I know when I was, we were on the narrowboat and I was waking up at 5.30 and these thoughts are just zooming around my head and you kind of just give in to them. And in that moment, I, I called out to God. And he just brought a song into my mind, which we're going to sing later. And it was through that song that he just corrected my thinking. Because it took my eyes off what my mind, sorry, took, took my eyes, you know, my mind off what I was thinking about. And it fixed it on something else, which was Jesus. And that's what we have to do. We have to be active. We're instructed to listen to our position with God, how much he loves us, to have faith and believe what he says and seek him above all else. Okay, let's turn up to Philippians because that's the second passage we want to look at. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 9. And this is the uh, bit that I read. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, don't worry about everything. Our first response, my first response to that was, yeah, but... You don't know what I'm going through. And that is always our response, isn't it? Yeah, but there's this. Yeah, but there's that. But Paul is saying, listen, guys, don't worry about anything, and this is the way to deal with it. So what does he say? Well, he says, pray about everything. Now, I know the enemy will come straight away and say, you can't pray about everything. Only pray about the big things. Because otherwise you're just bothering God with little things. But it doesn't say that. It says pray about everything. And I think it means pray about everything and anything. Whatever is on your mind, however small you think it is, it doesn't matter. Because God wants you to bring it to him. And what we do is, we try and work it out first, and then finally we come back to God, and I should have prayed about that. And Paul is saying, get it right at the beginning. And I'm, I'm just like this. I try and work it all out in my mind. I have lists of good 
this of this, what's going to happen, this meeting's going to go like this, I'm going to say that, they're going to say that, there's going to be a big explosion, it's all going to kick off, da, 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 da. sometimes it does, but that's not the point. But that's what we do in our minds. That's what we do. And Paul says, whoa, stop. When it comes, pray about it. At the beginning, you are going to save yourself so much hassle if you pray about it at the beginning. Honestly, how do I know? Because I'm putting this into practice in my life day by day. And what a difference it makes when you pray about things before. I go into my secret place at work and I pray about that meeting before I go in there. It makes a huge difference. Tell God what you need. And the second thing is, and thank him for all he has done. Another scripture says, remember what he has done. So what are you doing? What you're doing is you're building up your faith because you're saying, God, I remember this situation a year ago and you came and you helped me in it. Remember what God has done. Paul, um, Paul, David does this in the Psalms. He constantly reminds himself how good is, how good God is. He says, Lord, you know, I am, I am like bare bones. I cannot hear you, God. I can't feel you. Where are you, God? But I remember that you are always with me. And he constantly does that. And that's what we need to do. Come to God in those situations. Say, Lord, I remember. I remember that you are always with me. I remember that you want me to bring everything to you. Because you care for me. Because I'm valuable to you. We have short memories. We need to remember what God has done. We used to sing that old song, Count Your Blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what God has done. So we need to pray about everything. We need to remember what God has done. And then then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And that picture of Guarding is a beautiful picture. It's actually a picture of soldiers guarding something valuable. And that's what God says he's going to do. You are of value. So he's going to come and guard your heart and your mind with his soldiers. Because you're precious. He guards our hearts and minds. It's a beautiful picture. He will surround our hearts and minds with himself and guard us against the enemy. And finally, Paul reminds us, he says, come on, brothers and sisters, what do you do when these thoughts come? What do you do when worry is overtaking you? Fix your thoughts. It's an action again. Sometimes you literally have to fix your thoughts. You have to think about, it doesn't matter what it is. For me, one morning at five o'clock, it was a song. And I fixed my thoughts on the words of that song. And through that song, God revealed his love to me. It doesn't have to be a song. It can be a scripture. It can be a memory. 
But there is an action word there that is really, really important, which is fix. You have to fix your eyes on this. And he says, fix your thoughts on what is true. See how important the truth is? Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on what is true. Your thoughts. And honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Who is that describing? Jesus! Hallelujah. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. That's what you have to do. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus. And that's what we do on a Sunday morning. Actually, you come in with thoughts, what's happened in the week, all the stuff that is going on in our lives. You come on a Sunday morning, and what happens? We fix our eyes on Jesus. And suddenly, things begin to get in their right place. God readjusts our thinking. He readjusts our feelings. Why? Because suddenly we're worshipping Jesus. And whatever you came in with this morning, you know, it may have been a terrible week, it may have been a good week, it doesn't matter what worries you've got, what thoughts you've got. Suddenly we're worshipping and God just comes and says, Emmanuel, God with us. And suddenly he reveals just what that means to us. He just says, I want to be with you. As you come to worship me and honor me, I want to be with you. I want to have relationship with you. I want to love you. I want to fix it all. I want to make it right. Because that's what Jesus does. Always the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Hallelujah. So the other thing here is that Paul says in verse 9, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. This is not a one-off fix. Because worry is constantly there and anxiety is constantly there. So Paul says, you have to keep doing this. And that's true. Because you can get over something one day, the next day it can be the same. Your thoughts are going crazy, you know, situations are, are difficult and so forth. And we all worry. And Paul says, yeah, but keep on doing this. You have to learn this. It's a lesson that we have to learn. Keep doing it and the God of peace will be with you. Truth is so important. It always is. We have to come back to the truth. The enemy will always give us lies and take us away from God. So, just want to go look at Ephesians quickly as well. Ephesians chapter 6, this is about the armor of God. Because there are things that we can do which help us in situations where our, we are worried and anxious and concerned. So, 
Ephesians 6, and, you know, I know that we could do a whole preach on this completely separately, and maybe we will, (laughs) because there is so much in this. But I just want to have a look at a couple of things. I'm going to read from verse 10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So this is instructions on how we fight the enemy as he comes to attack us. And the key is right at the beginning, actually. Be strong in the Lord and in your mighty power. Well, it doesn't say that. That's what we think. Because we think, I have to be mighty. And I have to be strong. So often, we read that exactly like that. Be strong in the Lord and in my mighty power. Because I am mighty because God is with me. It doesn't say that. What it says is, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And that is so important. You try and fight the battle in your own power, you're going to get exhausted and worn out. But when you do it in God's power, it's totally different. Because his power is perfected in what? My weakness. I know it doesn't add up. And it's not the way the world teaches us to be. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. That's what the world teaches us. The kingdom says different. The kingdom says my power is perfected in your weakness. You come to me with nothing and I am your strength. Don't try and do this in your own might. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Hallelujah. God's armor can protect us. Most of God's armor protects us. It brings truth. But it also enables us to attack as well. We have a sword. What is the sword? The word of God. I just want to read um, read this. This is uh, John Piper just speaking about this, this chapter. He says, uh, he says this, I just thought it was really good. When I'm anxious that I may make a shipwreck of the faith and fall away from God, I battle unbelief with the promises, he who began a good work in you 
will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 6. And also he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. These Hebrews 7.25, these are promises of God that are so important. So this is John Piper, who's a great spiritual man, and you think, is John Piper really anxious that he might make a shipwreck of the faith? And he is. That gives me hope. Because sometimes we have those thoughts. And he says this, join me in this battle. Let us make war, not with other people, but with our own unbelief. Unbelief in the promises of God is the root of anxiety, which in turn is the root of so many other sins. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. The shield by which we quench Satan's fiery deceits is faith. Faith in that very word of God. So take up the shield in your left hand and the sword in your right hand and let us fight the good fight of faith. Take up the Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Lay the promises up in your heart and fight the good fight to live by faith. I love that. I think that's so good. Come back to the promises in the Bible. Okay, now I'm going to give you some homework this week, which is unusual. I'm going to give you five promises from the Bible that have blessed me tremendously and I use against the enemy when he comes and attacks me. What I want you to do this week is get three promises of God from the Bible and take those to your group. And you should all have a different three. Maybe some of them will be the same. And I want you to talk about those in your groups this week. So I've got five, which is cheating, but I'm allowed to. Okay, these are promises that I come against the enemy with. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not disaster, to give you a hope and a future. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. Sometimes, when we're in the midst of worry and anxiety, we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. They're not. They're not. God says, I will listen Psalm 145 verse 13 to 14 the Lord always keeps his promises hallelujah he is gracious in all that he does the Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their load I love that you feel like you've got a load on your shoulders you feel like you're struggling along with life. God says, I lift the fallen and I lift those who are bent beneath their loads. That's the promise of God. Fantastic. Psalm 95, verse 18 to 19. 
I cried out, I am slipping. I feel like that sometimes. I am slipping, God. I'm all over the place. I don't know what I'm doing. But your unfailing love, O oh Lord, supported me. When doubts fill my mind, your comfort gives me renewed hope and cheer. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for all your needs. My power works best in weakness. We've already spoken about that this morning. My grace is sufficient for all, not some, all really important. Romans 8, and I I was reading Romans 8 last night. Honestly, I could have read the whole chapter, but uh, if you get a chance this week, read Romans 8. It's so, so good. But just 38, verse 38 and 39, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, or angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Hallelujah. This is truth. This is what you come against the enemy with as he comes and attacks us. God is faithful. He will see you through. We don't need to be burdened by worry and anxiety, waking up at 5.30 in the morning. This morning, I woke up at 5.30, turned over, went back to sleep. Hallelujah. This works. No matter how big the problem, God is faithful. And he will see you through. Fix your eyes on him. Know your place in God. Understand how much he loves and cares for you. He is not going to let you fall. I've been listening to uh, this song all week. If we can have the worship team back up, it would be great. It's a lovely song and it's just such a blessing this week. It says, uh, you're my help in time of need. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. All your promises are yes and amen. I will rest in your promises. So important. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is in your faithfulness. Faithful you are, for faithful forever you will be. All your promises are yes and amen. So we're going to sing this song together. Let's, uh, let's just come and worship. I want you to sing this song as a declaration. Faithful you are. All your promises are yes and amen. Sing it to yourself. Sing it to the enemy. Let's sing and worship together. Amen.